Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Well, man, aren't you glad you can come into the presence of the Lord and worship Him? I got two. Is anybody happy they can come into the Lord and worship Him? Amen. I'm thankful this morning. It changes everything. Amen. Some of you walked in here struggling. When you worship the Lord, it changes everything. It changes everything. And sometimes all that needs to be changed is our perspective. But when it, our perspective is changed and our eyes get back on Him, it changes everything. Amen. Amen. Y'all going to have talked to me this morning. Talk to me this morning. We've been in this journey together over the last, uh, this will make, make uh, six weeks where we have be, uh, been tracing the journey of the children of Israel. We started talking about the deliverance they need in their, in their life out of Egypt. And now we are uh, transitioning. Last week we started transitioning to now their arrival at promised land. They called it the promised land. We're calling it promised land because I like song land, the show. And so I stole the title and changed it. And that's a different story. But uh, th- th- what, we, what I recognize is that we have a, 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 an advantage we have the ability to uh, look backwards. So uh, when we check out the history of the children of Israel and the, the deliverance out of Egypt and their march towards the promised land, we have this ability to uh, get all of the information at once. Uh, 400 years of slavery is now ended, 430 years to be exact. God intervened. They're, they're set free. Now they're coming into the wilderness, headed towards the promised land. We know all of that because we can look and get all of that information at once. But can you imagine what it was like to experience that firsthand? Think about the fact, all the miracles that took place and the, the signs and the wonders, the, 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 the um, ten plagues that buckled the knees of an, an unchallenged ruler by the name of Pharaoh, the, the miracles that w- were wrought in their midst, worked in their midst, and, and after 430 years of bondage, now it almost seems like it was overnight. Now all of a sudden these slaves are free and they're marching towards freedom and Interesting side note: The Bible says that when they exit, when the exodus, when the exodus begins out of Egypt, they plunder the Egyptians, and now, as slave, once as slaves, now they walk out, and the Bible says they're wealthy, wealthy. God's got a plan, Amen. And so they walk out, and they go towards this promise. And I mentioned it this, this last week to you that over 20 different times from Exodus to Leviticus, the Bible reminds them that they're headed towards this place where it flows with milk and honey. And this promise sustains them throughout the wilderness experience. Uh, I want to state to you from the very beginning that God does not want you to just visit the promises that He has for you. He wants you to inhabit the promises that He has for you. Can I remind you that the spies go in and, and check out the land, but they only visited the land. They never got to inhabit the land. Those, all, all but two of those spies never got to inhabit the land. They only visited. And so I just want to make that clear this morning that God wants you to establish and possess the, the, the promises that he has for you. And so we've got to learn the lessons that the children of Israel teach us so that we can inhabit and live in the promised land. And so there are several occasions in this journey uh, from, from uh, the slaves in the Old Testament that we learn lessons, several occasions. But I want to pick out uh, two 
very specific occasions that will teach us a lesson that we need to learn. Uh, the classroom begins in the wilderness and it concludes as they approach the promised land. That's where we are. But I want to also mention to you that um, as we contrast these two experiences, I really do believe that this lesson is the lesson that we tend to miss the most. And unfortunately, when we miss this lesson, this is the lesson that must be learned in order for us to inhabit, take possession of the promises that God has for us. So I think it's crucial for me to pause here just a moment and say to you, you've got to learn this lesson. You've got you've to lean in this morning. You've got to tune in. You've got to clue in because I can talk to you about the promises of God week after week. But unless you get this, you will never possess the promise that he's given you. We said last week that God is a promise maker and that God is a promise keeper. And I'm going to bring you back to that at the end of this message, but that does not matter if you don't get this lesson. All right, so I want you to join me in Exodus. We're going to read several portions of Scripture because I'm contrasting two experiences, very similar but distinct. Exodus chapter 14, beginning in verse 6, we're going to read down through verse 10. So Pharaoh led the chase in his chariots, followed by the pick of Egypt's chariot corps, 600 chariots in all, and other chariots driven by Egyptian officers. He pursued the people of Israel, for they had taken much of the wealth of Egypt with them. And Pharaoh's entire cavalry, horses, chariots, and charioteers were used in the chase, and the Egyptian army overtook the people of Israel as they camped beside the shore near, P- near P-Town. I don't know how you say that. I don't know. P-Town. Across from B-Town. I don't know. Y'all make it up. I was going to make it up, but I decided to call it P-Town. Okay, make it Lawton. Near Lawton, they were overtaken, and then across from Gracemont. I don't know. And as the Egyptian army approached the people of Israel, they saw them far in the distance, speeding after them. And they were terribly frightened and cried out to the Lord to help them. Verse 13. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand where you are and watch. And you will see the wonderful way the Lord will rescue you today. The Egyptians you are looking at, you will never see them again. The Lord will fight for you and you won't need to lift a finger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I like this. Quit praying and get the people moving. Forward, march. Use your rod, hold it out over the water, and the sea will open up a path before you, and all the people of Israel shall walk through on dry ground. Now, before we go to the next instance that's similar, can I just tell you something that a lot of pastors won't tell you? Quit praying. Some of y'all have prayed way too long. You've been praying about the same thing way too long. There comes a moment in your walk with God where you got to get up and do something. Quit. Some of y'all have been praying about some stuff that God's already spoken to you about in the Word. It's in black and white or in red, and you keep praying about it, and He's already written it. Quit praying. Do I need to witness? Quit praying. Do I need to be nice? Quit praying. Do I need to be the best worker at my job? Quit praying. It's already in there. Okay, y'all weren't even ready for me yet. So, so, so get up and march. So let me go on because y'all ain't ready. Joshua, let's see the other instance. Joshua, we think they're similar, but there's some distinction here. Joshua chapter 3, Moses is now dead. That's a whole different issue there. Now they're following a new leader, and he's about to take them into the promised land. Notice what happens. Jo- Joshua said 
to the priest in verse 6, Joshua 3, chapter, chapter 3, verse 6, Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. So, and now verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. And yet as soon as the priest who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam. I like those names better. In the vicinity of Zarathon. And while, while the water flowing down to the Sea of uh, Araba, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. And the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground, dry ground while all the Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Then we pick it back up in Joshua chapter 4, last portion of Scripture. Verse 10, now the priest who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as uh, Moses had directed Joshua. And the people hurried over, and as soon as all of them had crossed the ark of the Lord, and the priest came to the other side while the people watched, and the men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over ready for battle in front of the Israelites, as Moses had directed them, about 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for, for a picnic, for a siesta, for a vacation, for war. Uh, it, it's essential this morning that if we are going to move to promised land, then we must pay attention to the contrast that is made here. In these accounts, you first see in the wilderness, the children of Israel are fleeing Pharaoh's pursuing army. And Moses says to them, these are the instructions that God said to say to the children of Israel as they're terrified. They're scared for their life. They're not sure what they're going to do. They're in a tough place. God tells Moses to say to them, stand and see. Stand and see. Then he says to Moses, take that rod that's in your hand and raise it and stretch it out over the Red Sea waters and watch what I do. And you know the rest of the story, the Red Sea parts. In fact, the version that I read to you says this. He says to the children of Israel, you don't even have to lift a finger. And they walk over on dry ground. Man, I like that account. I like that one. But then, here's the contrast. As they enter the promised land, the account, although similar, is very different. They come, there's a barrier between them and the promised land called the, the Jordan River. Now, those of us that just got back from Israel, has it been two years? I don't know. It's been a while now. Uh, when I read this, I have problems with this passage because the Jordan River of today is not the Jordan River of the Old Testament. Because the Jordan River of today is nothing but a trickle in most places because the Israelites, the nation of Israel and the nation of Jordan are using the Jordan for drinking water and for irrigation. And so they've almost dried it up. In fact, now they're taking water from the Dead Sea and they're so brilliant that they figured out how to get all the salt out of it and they're using that which used to feed. And so it's crazy. Now the Jordan is nothing. But if you think that's what they faced, 
you've got it twisted. Because the Bible says that it was in the harvest season and that it was flooded. That means that when they approached this river, they were there sometime between March and April uh, toward the end of the rainy season. And because of the melting snow on the top of Mount Harem, the Jordan River would become this very formidable obstacle. In fact, one historian says that they estimate that the river was probably somewhere between, between 10 to 12 feet deep and as much as 140 feet wide. Does that help? Does that show you that although they've walked through the sea, now they come to this river and we think, well, that's no big deal. But it was a big deal. Anybody ever tried to swim across the river that's 140 feet wide? Probably not. You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't make it. That's what they face. But I also want you to notice, here is the contrast. The instructions that Joshua received was this. Step into the water. Step in to the water. And then, another contrast. When they come out of the water, it says that 40,000 armed men lead the process. Okay, here it is. I'm making this as plain as I can make it today because you've got to get this. You cannot miss this. The key to moving into promised land is that you must participate in the promise. I knew I wasn't going to get no help, so I just, I just said I'll just keep going then because we miss it. See, I, be, I believe that the reason that many of us tend to prefer the wilderness experience is because although it is dry and although it's hot and at times miserable, it is the fact that, that they, in many ways the, the wilderness experience is much easier. In the wilderness, all I got to do is duck my head and follow the guy in front of me and keep walking. And yeah, I may sweat a little bit. And yeah, I may not like the food much. And I may not even like the company much. All I've got to really do is keep walking in the same patterns, stay in the same rut, see the same scenery, and nothing ever changes. And in a lot of ways, that's easier. So we settle in the wilderness. Not only that, there are not many fights in the wilderness. I went back and looked. Other than, I don't count the exchange with Pharaoh because they weren't in the wilderness yet. But once they're in the wilderness, unless I'm mistaken, I went back and looked. Moses only had one fight in all of all, the entire wilderness experience. One. Y'all know it. It's when they raised his hands and his arms would get tired and Aaron and Hera ran and helped him hold his arms up. That's the only one. Any idea how many battles Joshua faced in the promised land? Thirteen. Thirteen. Do you see the contrast? Sometimes we like the wilderness better because it seems to be faced, it seems to be easier. So the wilderness has become more comfortable because it's, it's also the path of least resistance. And I can't get some of you going to the promised land because in the promised land, the promised land requires you to move from welfare to warfare. Oh, that went over huge. See, this is what I, here's the contrast. I'm just pointing, in the wilderness, I don't have to do anything. I just walk. In the, in the wilderness, I don't do anything. But in promised land, I got to fight. Okay. In the wilderness, I get divine handouts. I just wake up in the morning, and there's manna on the ground, and quail flying to my camp. My clothes don't wear out. I just, I just show up. But in the promised land, 
I have to fight. In fact, what I've discovered that is in promised land, God doesn't always hand us a harvest. Instead, he hands us seed. In the promised land, God doesn't always hand us a, 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 a steak. He hands us a calf that we have to steward and nurture and feed and prepare. And then many months later, all of a sudden, steaks. I can't get no help up in here because some of y'all are too vegetarian for me. But, but, but you want God to hand you a steak, he's handing you a cow instead. That's the difference between the wilderness and the promised land. We like the wilderness. The contrast forces us. It forces us to wrestle with the transition from a raise and stretch miracle to a go and stand miracle. So so go and stand is much harder than to stand and watch. Just just stand here and see because you don't have to do nothing. But when God says to us to, to obtain and to possess the promises that he's made to us, go and stand. It requires us. To risk everything. Do you see the difference here? I, I got no issue with the Red Sea because I don't have to get wet. I don't have to worry about whether I'm going to lose my footing. I don't have to worry about I might slip. It's, it's dry. It's like pavement when I walk across. But when I get to the Jordan, I got to get my feet wet. And I got to risk the fact that I might get swept away. And I might make a mistake. And I may not do it exactly right. But I've got to take a risk necessary. That's the difference. And some of y'all sitting around pray, praying and asking God, saying, saying, raise and stretch. In other words, what you're saying to God is this. Open up a way, and when you open it, I'll go. When there's no obstacles, when there's no resistance, when there's no problems, when there's no bad days, when there's no tough days, when things don't go like I want them, when, when it's all perfect, if you will just open up the way, then I will go. That's a big difference from, from, from there to Go and stand. Because go and stand means that I'm stepping in and expecting you to part the waters when I get there. This is a whole different level of living, y'all, that we're being called to. So if we want to enter promised land, then we must transition from wanting a stand and see miracle to a go and stand miracle. We must move from welfare where, God, I want you to hand me all this, and I don't have to do anything. To now, I've heard what you said you were going to do. And I'm willing to go to war if necessary to see come to pass what you said you would do. I will test your word. I will take you at your word. I will trust you at your word. I will actually expend faith about your word because you promised this to me and now I've grown up enough that I recognize that I'm not just going to stand here until you make it perfect. I'm going to walk in the faith that is necessary to see the promises come to fruition. The reason that some of us have not and perhaps never will move to promised land is that we won't lift a finger. That's tough. Bad pastor. He was mean on a Sunday morning. Some of us won't lift a finger. He made this promise to us 20 years ago. We've never done anything towards the promise. We won't lift a finger. I'm still waiting on God to do this. Oh, I could get really mean and 
Do you want me to get practical for you? Can I get really practical? Oh, I, God made me a promise that one in the future God's going to send me the perfect one. Yeah, but you hadn't gotten out of bed in like three weeks and you hadn't put any makeup on and you keep eating bonbons. Some of y'all don't know what bonbons are. Uh, the, and, and then you wonder why the promise never comes to pass. So, God said you're going to send me the perfect one, but yeah, you're still living in your mom's basement playing video games and you won't get yourself a job, a J-O-B. So he won't allow the promise to Okay, okay. See, see. let me state it plainly. You will never experience or possess the promise until you quit waiting on a handout. And instead, you head out in the battlefield to war for what is yours. See, in the wilderness, you just walk. But in the promise, you become a warrior. So, so we, we must participate. Promise requires participation. Why is it that we keep thinking that when God gives us a promise, that it gives, there's no obligations on our part to go along with it? Why? We have a promise, but we must participate. So, so we must... I'll say this and then I'll stop because some of y'all struggling with me this morning. There is a path... For every promise. I'm going I'm to pick the low-hanging fruit because that's the easiest, all right? I could, get, I could try to go deep with you, but I'm just going to pick the low. There's some obvious ones, okay? Let me just, can I just give you the obvious ones just to make the point? Then I'll let you go home and do the hard work of figuring out where, where I'm talking about you, all right? So there's a path to blessing. You know what it's called? Tithe. I told you, low-hanging fruit. This is easy. This is easy application. The only dilemma is, is that there is a path to blessing, but we, won't, we don't like to participate in the promise. So then we get this attitude, well, I'm just going to give what I want to give. That's not the path. And so instead of walking into the promise, you know what happens when you don't participate in the promise? You circle. That's exactly what happened to the children of Israel, isn't it? The 11-day journey turns into 40 years simply because they won't participate in the promise. So God says, do this, do this, do this. They won't do it. And instead, they circle, they circle, circle. I want to tell you this morning that you can move into the promise if you will quit circling and you will straighten out and walk into the path. That's an easy one. Okay, I'm going to pick another one. Can I pick another one? The promise is that I will have a blessed relationship. But there's a path. Y'all quiet this morning. I'm either messing with you or, or, or you, you were awake because of the storm or something. But but we want to go our own way. Do our relationships the way we want to go. I'm still shocked at the number of believers that will say, I, Pastor, can you pray for me that my relationship will be blessed? Yeah, move out. Quit sleeping around. about it this morning. I got power. You know, you know what the path to power is, right? Purity. If you don't believe that, go read the story because after they crossed the Jordan, an interesting thing happens. 
God gives the entire nation, because these are all new folks, all the old folks that died in the wilderness that didn't obey, they march into the, the outskirts of the promised land, and immediately God says to Joshua, circumcise them all. Wait a minute, I don't like that path. At all. But that's the path to power. They go, they go out of that and win a mighty victory at Jericho because they went down the path. And a lot of us continue to cry for power, 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 and yet we're hooked on porn. And we're going places we don't need to be. And we're hanging out with people we shouldn't be hanging out with. And they impact our purity. And then we wonder why. Well, God, I'm sitting here waiting on power. You said you'd give me power. I'm waiting on it. Why don't you participate instead and cut some things off and cut some things out and turn some things off and turn some channels and allow the path of purity to produce power in your life? You got to participate. There's a path to favor. Anybody want favor? Man favor ain't fair. Y'all heard that before. I like being favored, right? I like the favor of God on my life. Anybody else? Just me. I'm the only one that likes favor on my life. I like God's favor, but there's a path. It's called faithfulness because he gives us little, and when we're faithful with little, then he gives us much. And a lot of us want much, but we won't participate with little because we're sitting around waiting on much. And we forget that the way we get to much is we take care of the little that he's already given us. And out of faithfulness and doing what he said every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, in the mundane, in every day. Nobody's watching, but I'm still doing what he told me to do. And I'm faithful and I'm working it and I'm working it and I'm working it. And then all of a sudden everybody goes, man, you're favored. No, I was faithful until I was favored. There's a path. We must participate. Listen, the promises work. Can can I say that to you today? The promises work. Okay, I got two. The promises work. But we have an obligation to work the promises. And that sounds like a a preacher playing with words, but that's the truth. There is this requirement. If you're going to move out of the wilderness into the promised land, then you must participate in the promise. See, this contrast teaches us that the wilderness is a land of miracles. Here are some of the ones I thought of. Manna, quail, clothes that don't wear out. There's a pillar of fire. There's a cloud by day. So, so, The wilderness is a land of miracles. Here's the contrast. Don't miss this. The promised land is a miraculous land that requires us to participate. Okay, so here it is. Last Sunday, now some of you weren't here, so you got to catch up. Last Sunday, I I gave you homework. I'm going to give you more homework today. Because they ain't going to school right now anyway. So you might, all right. So the homework was this. If we remember that God is a promise maker, I encourage you to remember the promise. Because anybody else notice that it's hard to remember the promises of God right now? Anybody? Just me? I mean, when, listen, some of y'all just need to turn the news off. Because the news is a promise zapper, man. It will suck the, the promise. Some of y'all need to quit. Look, some of y'all need to log off Facebook. Some of y'all need to delete your Twitter account. Some of y'all need to, to, to quit hanging out because they, these things suck the promise. So, so I, I was like, remember the promises of God. Remember the assignment? You were supposed to go home and write down 
the promises of God. All right. Ooh, you don't even know how tempted I am to say, okay, who did it? Raise your hand. Then I can make fun of all the ones that didn't. Flunk you, send you to detention. Make you stay late. Stick your nose in the little circle on the chalkboard. Okay, if you weren't here last Sunday, I want to encourage you to do that because we forget them. What are the promises of God that is made to you? Okay, that was last week. Are you ready for this week's assignment? I want you to read back through the list. And I want you to ask this question. What's my part? Wait a minute. God made those promises. Yes, he did. And he's a promise keeper. But you have a part to play. What? Out of the promises that he made to you, what part? How are you supposed to participate? Let me ask it this way. What do you need to fight for? Where's the war part for you? Where do you need to go to war for the promises that God has made for you? Because we got to be willing. They came out of the water, 40,000 strong, no longer slaves. Now they're soldiers. They come out armed for battle. Listen, if you've been attending here more than four weeks, you ought to be armed for battle. We say that our, our entire goal is to help you to encounter God so that you will become equipped to engage your culture. And our culture needs to be engaged right now. But you can't engage them in your own power, your own strength. The only way that you can engage them right now is to become so equipped that you march out of the river on the other side and you you obtain and possess the promises of God so that when people that don't have what you have, they will go, how did you get that? How did you get peace? Because there are a lot of folks walking around right now that got no peace. How did you get healing? Because there's a lot of folks running around right now that don't have any healing. How did you get joy? How how did you get strength? How did you get how did you get what you got, man? I I got a promise from God. And then I fought for it. Anybody else fighting for their peace right now? I'm fighting for my peace right now. Anybody else fighting for the the, the sound mind right now? Dadgum, I'm fighting for my sound mind right now. Because when I watch Channel 4 at 4 o'clock and at 10 o'clock, I about lose my stinking sound mind. I've got to fight. When I read some of your posts, I start losing. So i got to fight for my sound. Anybody else fight? Can you go to war? Is there anybody that's equipped enough to go, you know what? God made this promise and this promise and this promise. And I've been sitting around waiting on it for 15 years. But all of a sudden, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to march and say, this is mine. I claim this is mine. I claim this is mine. You have a part to play. And I'm calling you to participate. What steps do you have to take? What relationships do you need to strengthen? What relationships do you need to end? What channel can you listen to? What channel can you not listen to? Who can you follow? Who do you need to unfollow? That is all part of participating in the promises of God. And it is the only way that you will obtain the promise is as you participate and fight the battles that are essential and necessary so this morning I'm going to pray over you and I'm not asking God to make promises to you because I would almost guarantee you that if you did your homework every person under the sound of my voice whether they're in this room or watching online I guarantee you you've got a list with more than just one surely God's been who he says he is and he's a promise maker 
So if he made a promise and the promise hasn't come to pass, could it be that his ability to keep the promise is contingent upon your willingness to participate in the promise? And so I'm going to pray, not that God will make you new promises, but that instead you will rise up and become the army of God that he's called us to be. And you will begin to walk into and march into the goodness of God. And all of a sudden you will be able to testify and say, God kept his promise. I don't know what happened. He said 15 years ago this would happen. And all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. Yes, you do. You got involved. And you obeyed. You did what he said. Father, this morning, my prayer is simply this. I pray that because I know it's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv.